0: This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. The first Sunday uh, of this particular series of teaching were, were the third Sunday of July, and we talked about insecurity. And what God thinks about insecurity and how God speaks to us through his word to bring us out of the trap of insecurity. And then last Sunday we talked about fear and how the Lord says some pretty powerful things through scripture concerning fear. And I think there's way too many of us running around as children of God fighting our insecurities And there's too many of us living for the Lord, but yet still dabbling in fear. And today's by far the, I feel, the most needed lesson in this line of thinking. And I want to talk about the antidote for condemnation this morning. I believe this sermon is right on time, and I I totally... I just give honor to the Lord for, for always knowing what we need, but always speaking what we need. Are you, did you catch what I just said? Uh, obviously, he knows. He is the omniscient God, the all-knowing. He knows, but he's also very present. He's also very aware and concerned and very willing to offer instruction and help and blessing to the body of Christ. Isn't it beautiful? Well, this morning we want to talk about the antidote for condemnation. And what God says about it is far more important than what you might think or say or what I might think or say, what God says matters most. Everyone say amen. Lord, I thank you for the next few minutes in advance. I feel as though I am prepared. I know that I have made myself available to you. And now, Lord, I just ask you to go above and beyond anything that I can offer and allow the Holy Spirit to repair the troubled heart, to allow the work of the Holy Spirit to mend and lift up out of this trap called condemnation, your children. There are men and women and young adults, Lord, in this service right now that struggle with this very problem, and I'm asking you by the help of heaven to bring a healing and bring deliverance and change our thinking, change our mindset, change the way we view our struggles in this life. So by the help of the grace of God, let this work be done today in Jesus' name, and everyone say amen. I've, I've gotten myself into some silly arguments throughout my life. I know it's never a wise thing to argue, period, but there are some arguments that are worth having if someone is choosing to ignore truth, then you owe it to yourself and to them to state the truth, to stick by the truth, even if it might Uh, rub someone wrong, truth needs to be heard. Everyone say amen. But then there are these certain arguments that start out uh, like a simple uh, debate, but they turn into silly arguments because you're arguing over something that's only uh, uh, pertaining to partial truth. It's not full truth. And the next thing you know, when you're arguing over Uh, not black or white but gray, what we have now is opinion and then you start arguing that your way is the only way and the other person's arguing the same argument and the next thing you know you're arguing with a fence post and the problem is that fence post is arguing with another fence post and you've got a bunch of stubborn, silly arguments because it's lacking truth.
1: Condemnation in the lives of believers, followers,
0: disciples of Christ. Condemnation does this very same thing. Because the the honest thing about condemnation is it has just enough truth to make you think. But yet it's lacking fullness of truth. So it begins an argument of opinion. Uh, In the book of Revelation, the the enemy of our souls, Satan, is called the accuser. Has anyone ever been accused of something that was not true? I have. I have been accused of some things that were not true. there's a few of you that raised your hand and, and others of you, you, you are now accused of, of not really buying into what I just said, falsely accused of that because I know you just probably said, I'm not gonna raise my hand right now. But here's where we are with this. The enemy accuses us of things that we've done. Sometimes we've done those things. But when we're children of the Lord, When we're believers, when we have come under the lordship of Jesus Christ and we've accepted his payment of the blood at the cross, that accusation of failure, that accusation of dropping the ball is just partially true. And condemnation causes us to get in this heated argument and then this is where we slip up and make our big mistake as believers. We take the bait of condemnation, and then we start justifying what we've done wrong, and we start coming up with things. Well, uh, you know, I mean, I, I I I saw Pastor Tommy do that. Uh, I, I heard him say that, and then we start justifying something, and and then, well, my mom used to used to think those thoughts and we we move our way in and this silly fence post argument now has us justifying something that Christ has already paid the price for and now uh, as someone said at dinner the other night with Denora and I now we take ownership, we own what we've done and our pride rises up and we start arguing with the accuser we start arguing with condemnation That that maybe it's not so bad what we've done anyway. And we start working our way into okaying a mistake made. Okaying a poor thought uh, entertained. And then we slip even further. Because then we start considering the truth of the matter. And then we just start drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak, of guilt. And we start drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak, of shame. And then we just waller in our problem of making a bad
1: choice. And all of it is rooted in condemnation. A couple months ago, the local bank that we do business
0: with here at the church, Community Bank here in Burleson, uh, I'll I'll never forget the phone call. Uh, Carol Perkins, our church secretary, called me uh, from the bank and she goes man this has never happened before past time and we've got a little problem here I said oh really what, what's going on she goes I'm standing here at the bank and uh, they've notified us that we have um, we've, we've deposited
1: a counterfeit bill I said really they caught that shoot I didn't say that. Carol's here to vouch that I didn't say that.
0: I said, you're kidding me. And I was intrigued with this phone call. I said, there's a counterfeit bill turned in? And I never once thought for real that someone purposely did that. But it, it, it caused me to say, how, how did this happen? How did they come to, to, to find this Counterfeit bill within the deposit uh, there at the local bank, and the bank was on record with saying, Well, we're
1: trained, we're trained to be familiar with the authentic, with the real, with the true. I would kind of think that people that are working in
0: bank institutions. Spend a lot of time becoming familiar with the counterfeit or with the fake. But if you look up the, if you, if you study this, because it, it sparked my interest, how to how to spot these counterfeit bills, there's so many counterfeit bills with so many different takes and different different tricks with counterfeit. The banking business does not study counterfeit. They just have to make sure that they know the front, the back, the ends, and the outs of the authentic. If they can really get a firm, good grip and training on the authentic, they can spot a counterfeit real quick. So instead of looking for the hundred things that are wrong with the bill, they're looking for the few things that are specific to the authentic of the bill. Are you tracking with me? And they recognize the authenticity of the money. I kind of had fun with, with Carol the, 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 later on that afternoon. I was sitting in her office and I said, well, you know, Carol, I don't, I don't really think someone purposely turned uh, a, 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 a counterfeit bill in, do you? And she goes, no, I don't think so. I'm, I, and I started thinking, maybe they, they, maybe they got this from, from a retailer or maybe from a, um, a, a cash deal through Craigslist or maybe it was a, a garage sale or maybe the money just absolutely went right through McDonald's or, or, or Gap or somewhere. No one just knew it. And it just happened to be this particular day at this particular b- branch that they caught the counterfeit bill. And, and, and she goes, yeah, you're probably right. I said, well, let's think about this, Sister Carol. I don't think anyone would give a counterfeit bill to the work of the Lord. And I was kind of having fun with this and I thought, because... The reward for giving counterfeit money to the work of the Lord is counterfeit blessings. So if you give counterfeit money to the Lord, just get ready. You're under the impression that you're blessed and you're really not blessed. So we kind of got tickled about that and laughed. But here's where I want to go with this. In the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews in chapter number 5 and verse 14 Says it this way, concerning mature faith. It says in Hebrews 5:14, "But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of, of uh, belongs to them that are of full age." Someone say maturity. There are of full age. They've grown up in their faith. Even those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Mature Christians, mature believers, are able to discern between good and evil. Let's say it this way a mature Christian is so familiar with truth so familiar
1: with truth that they can see through what's false. When we grow up a little bit in our faith,
0: when we want to go a little deeper in God, when we want to drill down deep to the foundation of living for God, when we have the, the, the beautiful impartation of the Holy Spirit into our lives, we we gain this wisdom. We gain this insight. The Bible says senses. We gain this sensitivity about us by the work of the Spirit through us that we can see right through a counterfeit. What I'm trying to get to this morning real quickly is this. There is a place in our walk with Jesus Christ By the help of the Holy Spirit, that we can get to and we can recognize the difference, you
1: gotta catch this, between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is the counterfeit, it's the fake, it's the wannabe. It's the imitation of conviction. Are you tracking with me?
0: Conviction's the real deal. Conviction comes from God. Conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is the work of the accuser. It's the work of your enemy. It's the work of your your worst foe. Condemnation wants to take you away from God, but conviction wants to bring you closer to God. Jerry Bridges, the author of The Pursuit of Holiness, he says it this way, the Holy Spirit makes us more aware of our lack of holiness to stimulate us to deeper yearning and striving for holiness. But Satan, and I'm gonna throw in the word condemnation, but Satan, he'll attempt to use the Holy Spirit's work to discourage us. So again, I want you to be real clear this morning before we go any further. If you're not on, on board right now, you're going you're to be drifting for the, next, uh, for the rest of this sermon. It's very important that you catch these words and you catch uh, where they align with you as a believer in, in Christ. Condemnation is a work of the enemy. Condemnation tells you how bad you really are. Condemnation speaks of your failure. Condemnation tells you you have really hit a foul ball in this world. But conviction says, conviction is a work of God saying, you know what? You've stumbled, but the good news is Christ has already paid the price for your stumble. Conviction says you've really hit a foul ball with that choice, but Christ He's got a way of erasing that foul ball and putting you back at the plate and giving you another chance to swing the bat, even with a clean count at the plate. Conviction's a work of the Holy Spirit to make you aware of your need for God. Condemnation says you're so bad,
1: God can never do anything with you. Somebody say amen. I want to tell you a cute little story from a gentleman
0: that I, that I like to follow. I follow him on Twitter and I've read a few of his books. His name's Stephen Furtick. And Furtick says that one time he was ministering in Australia. And while he was in Australia, it happened to be Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. But yet back home where his family lives, um, it was Monday, 8 p.m. Well, thanks to technology, he connects with his family through FaceTime. So he's having this video chat with his kids and his wife.
1: And his kids are sharp, boy. They don't miss a thing. And his kid says, Dad, Dad. I don't understand. I
0: see behind you there the windows open and it's daylight out there. How is it daylight there? And they get tickled and, and he th- starts thinking to himself, how am I going to explain this international dateline confusion to this kid? So he starts saying, well,
1: it's, it's actually tomorrow here. And it's actually yesterday there. Oh, I don't know. Uh, It's actually, I'm I'm a
0: day ahead of you. And he does his very best to try to communicate to this kid about this international date line. I get confused preaching about it right now. Much less to communicate to a child about this whole idea of international dateline, line. And, his, and he thought man I better move on because that just went right over their heads. They didn't catch that. They missed that. So they start talking about how things are going and how much he misses his kids. And, and brother Eddie the kids are telling the dad how much they can't wait to see him when he comes home. And he thought that everything was good and the conversation was over until the kid says daddy daddy before you go before you go this is so cute. He says dad before You hang up. Can you tell me what happens tomorrow? Isn't that adorable? He says, Can you tell me what happens tomorrow? And the dad thought, I'm gonna score huge points with my wife. Because the wife is sitting there kind of like going, I'm sorry. He doesn't get it. And the dad thinks, I'm gonna really use this. And he says,
1: Well, buddy. Tomorrow, you do so good at school.
0: Tomorrow, you're the most behaved kid in the class. And his wife's like, Tomorrow, little man, you don't fight with your brother and your sister at all.
1: He says, tomorrow is probably going to be the best day you've ever had, buddy. Pretty neat little story to help you understand. As I just
0: spoke Wednesday night, and for all of you that were here Wednesday evening, if you'll just indulge me for a few minutes to recap just a little blurb out of our Wednesday night study time. This is exactly what God invites us into. He invites us into this thing called the future. He invites us into tomorrow. And he tells us in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. And for this particular scripture, I would like to use the message translation. He says in Jeremiah 29 and 11, I have it all planned out. I've got plans. Everyone say plans. I've got plans to take care of you. Plans to not abandon
1: you. I've got plans. I've got it all planned out. Plans to give you the future you hope for.
0: Now condemnation, we're still, we're still tackling this thing called condemnation this morning. Condemnation, what it wants you to do is dwell in yesterday. Condemnation, what it wants you to do, it wants you just to get down in the pit of all of your past mistakes, all of your worst mistakes. Mistakes, all of those pitiful, pathetic choices that you recognize were awful choices that you yourself made. You have to own that. You have to admit it. You're the one that did that. You're the one that went there. You're the one that said that. You're the one. You are guilty of that. But condemnation says, that's right. You are. And you'll always be guilty of that because you don't have a tomorrow. Everything you know about your life is trapped in this awful condition that you got yourself into. But conviction says, conviction has a a way of communicating to us by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, boy, you really shouldn't have gone there and you shouldn't have said that. That was a terrible thing to get yourself into. But the good news is, I've got plans for you in the future. It's not over for you yet. I I know you really hit one out and over the third baseline, almost out of the stadium, and you almost took someone's car window out with that choice. But the good news is, everything's going to be all right, because I've got plans for you. Because in tomorrow, tomorrow's going to be better than what you got into yesterday, and tomorrow's definitely going to be better than what you got yourself into today. Tomorrow's a whole different day, and the sun's going to come out in your life. The sun's going to shine bright in your world. and you're gonna be all right. But where we find ourselves. We find ourselves struggling on which one of these we're going to give ourselves into. Are we going to just give ourselves into condemnation and just call it a day and quit and walk out on God? Or are we going to give ourselves into conviction and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for letting me be aware that this was probably not the best decision I've ever made. But thanks be unto God that it's not my last decision that I can make. Because you've got plans for me to wake me up in the morning and give me a whole clean slate. Give me a new start, a fresh beginning. And I can do things better. Come on, somebody, clap your hands to the Lord.
1: We give you two two little different life stories to consider. They come from Scripture. These two men are found in your New Testament. One would be by the name of
0: Judas, and the other would be a man by the name of Peter. And they both struggle with making a bad choice. I'm not going to ask you if you've ever made a bad choice or not because it would be a silly question.
1: We've all made a bad choice. Judas, Judas was a little greedy. This guy Judas, he thought that money would solve everything. Judas
0: was a guy that for some of you, you may not realize, but Judas literally hung out with Jesus Christ. Walked with him, talked with him, hung out with him, spent time with him. He knew him. But yet Judas did not have the spiritual intuition to realize that this was the mighty God. That this was the answer to life. Everything about his eternal security hinged in the work and the ministry of this man. That he was so fortunate to have the opportunity to walk with. He was still trapped in the world thinking that he just needed some money. Money would solve all of his problems. Money would solve all of his questions. He just needed some money. Isn't it interesting we're still living in a day that we really think that money's going to really make the difference. Judas got so dependent on money that someone said, hey, listen, we want to take the life of that guy you're hanging out with. And we we need some inside scoop. If you'll let us know when and where that we can capture him. We'll take care of you. We'll pad your pockets. We'll give you a little extra. Absolutely. How pitiful of a decision to barter, to trade the Son of God just for a little bag of money. And all of a sudden, we see that nightmare situation unfold, and this is him. I'm gonna kiss him. Pay close attention. The one I kiss. He's who you want. You got your money? Because I'm not going to go through with this if you're not going to keep your end of the bargain. And the next thing you know, he trades off Jesus Christ for a little bit of money, and condemnation sets in. Oh, you've really done it now, Judas. You're a traitor. You are as low and dirty of a dog that there could ever be. That was the master. And you sold off the master for a little bit of money? What a dummy. What a fool. What a loser. He starts thinking about this. He hears the jingling in the money sack. And he starts thinking, oh my gosh, I've, I've played a role in the, in the crucifixion of Christ. I'm playing a role in this? I'm done. I've got blood on my hands. I've, I've made this awful decision. And condemnation says, you better believe you have. And you're never going to be anything but a traitor. You're never going to have. That, that, nothing can ever help you now. Do you really think he's going to try to come and rescue you from this? You saw all of his miracles. He has miraculous powers. He can do amazing things. But yet, do you really think he's going to spend that on you now that you spent him for a little bit of money? In condemnation, Joe, it settled on him like a dark black cloud, started playing tricks in his mind, started playing tricks in his spirit. And the next thing you know, he got so down in the thinking that he would never be anything but that which he was. He got to the point that he took his own life. Guilt, shame, wrestling with it, struggling with it. And it took him to a grave condemnation,
1: buried that man, took his life, took the very breath out of his lungs. Meanwhile, there's another guy named Peter. Peter was as fortunate as Judas was, hanging out with Jesus, spending time with him. But he followed him. He paid attention. He prayed with him. He listened to him. He sought wisdom from him. And one day Jesus asked this question, hey
0: guys, who do y'all think I really am? And everybody had their own little thoughts and their own little answers. But yet Peter, he says, man, I, I know without doubt who you are. <laughs> I know a lot of people. You're not like anybody I know. Thou art the Christ. You're the son of God. And Boy, Jesus looks at him in the eyes.
1: It says, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Something special about you. The gates of hell will not even be able to destroy what I'm going to do.
0: Because of not you as a person, but because of your revelation, because of your insight, because of your sensitivity. You're a follower of me. You see what I've come to
1: do. You've seen what I've come to accomplish. Pretty cool. But yet the same guy
0: is sitting at dinner with the Lord. And the Lord's breaking bread. He's passing around the wine. And the Lord says, you know, guys, what I'm going to do is going to be so amazing. But yet there's going to be a fallout for the amazing work that I do. If you're going to be a follower of me, I just want you to understand, it's going to be a great price. And some of you are not going to make the long haul. Some of you are going to give up. Some of you are going to quit because the, you know, it's going to get a little tight. It's going to get a little tough. And Peter says, well, man, all these suckers around this table, they may leave you. But me, you can count on me. I'm your rock. Remember? I'm that guy. I'm Peter.
1: Your man. And the Lord's basically like, you pitiful little fella. And he says, Peter, I got to admit something to you, man.
0: Before the rooster crows three times. I hate to tell you you this, but you're actually the guy that's going to deny me.
1: Whatever. You got the wrong guy. Are you forgetting I'm Peter with a capital P? And an exclamation point. I'm your rock. I understand. But let's just let this play out. And sure enough, the craziest thing happens. It gets a little hot in the kitchen. Christ is about to lay his life down. He's a wanted man,
0: and he's going to let him have it. He's going to lay his life down for all of us in this room this morning. And when somebody says, wait a minute, I recognize you. You're that guy, Peter. You follow him. If we're going to take his life, guess what? You're next. Oh, uh-uh, brother, I don't know him. Don't tell us you don't know him. We've seen you with him. No, no, no. That was Peter with a little P and a period. That's a whole nother dude. You got me mistaken. No, you're him. No, 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 no. no it ain't me. Tell him, tell him, tell him. It ain't me.
1: Quickly, quickly, I want you to look into Luke chapter 22. And I've got to speed up here. I've got to speed up. Luke 22, verse number 60. And Peter said, man, I do not know what you're saying. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Go to that next scripture. Watch this. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter.
0: And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before
1: the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Verse 62. So Peter went out. And wept bitterly. I want you to keep that up,
0: my friend. If you'll put verse number 61 up and just kind of hold it there for me. This is what you got to catch this morning, and we'll be quick here. Matter of fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you guys to come help me. That, that way, at least I know I called y'all up early, at least. See, I'm justifying my choice of preaching long, make myself feel better by having y'all up here. Say, come on, Pastor Tommy, speed it up. Thank y'all for not repeating that. You got to catch this today. Here we come down to the stretch. This is big stuff. This is going to change your life if you'll let it, if you'll allow it, if you'll welcome this into your heart. It's going to change your life. It's going to take you right out of condemnation for everything that's in your life.
1: When Peter knew by the sound, he heard that rooster crow. His heart started
0: to pound. His hands, he could barely feel his fingertips. His voice got squeaky. He was nervous because that was, was predicted by Christ. What Christ had already said would happen. He's, he's blown away, John, because it just happened. This just happened. I just denied that I knew Jesus Christ. And two things happen. Two things happen. And the very same two things can happen in your life this morning. The Bible says that Jesus looked at him. He looked at him. Jesus looked at him. looked at him. He was just denied. He was just hurt. Lately, he looked at him, stared right into his soul. And you would think that he would probably give him the look that you and I would give him. Kid me. It can't be that. He knew it was gonna happen. Didn't catch him off guard. Wasn't shocked. He looked at him with eyes of love, with eyes of forgiveness. He looked at him with eyes of understanding. Stared into his heart. Never said a word. He Just looked at him. And I don't think it was this type of look. I think it was without a word spoken telling him. It's going to be okay. I told you this was going to happen. He looked at him. And the Bible says secondly, Peter remembered. And if Peter could remember, The dinner table conversation. You don't think Peter could remember being told that you're my rock? Peter went back in his mind and, oh, wait a minute. I'm his rock. I'm his child. I'm special. I'm Peter. I dropped the ball, but I'm his rock. Conviction says I've got plans for you. Plans for your future. You're not guaranteed to hit a home run every day. But what is guaranteed is you'll never strike out. You're not guaranteed to set records. But you're guaranteed to never be abandoned. Abandoned. He says, I've got plans for you. His emotion takes over. His heart's about to blow up. His emotion takes over. The Bible says in verse 62 that he left and wept bitterly. (laughs) I'm hurt with my decisions. I'm a dummy. I don't know why I did it. (laughs) I dropped the ball this time. Man, have I ever... Have I ever walked away from God weeping that I've dropped the ball again? I lost my temper again, I flew off the handle again. But thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God. That conviction says it's gonna be all right. So what? you drop the ball, pick the ball up again. Tommy, it's not a big deal. You're human. This is why I came. To help fix humans. You are expecting way too much out of yourself, Tommy. Just quit trying to be so stinking perfect and get your eyes on the one that's perfect, Tommy. And Peter came back to God. Wow, this is as cool as it gets, man. Peter comes back to God, man, I'm sorry about all that stuff, you know, that denying stuff. I'm still your man, right? I I, I know I denied you, but I am still your, we we good? We good? Yeah, yeah, but I want to know we good. Yeah, we're good, but love people, okay? Take care of people. I get that man, I get that. But are we good though? I need to make sure. Listen, we're good. We've we've always been good. Don't don't for one second pause and think that we're not good. We're so tight. We'll never not be good. We're good. It's all good. Good. See, condemnation drove Judas to his grave, made him lose his mind. Legalism, make you lose your mind. Trying to hold rules that no one could ever hold, make you go crazy. Make you even question why is it worth it. That's what the whole thing is with this law, the law factor. It just, it just comes over you like a black cloud and it'll make you just quit. A lot of people came to Jesus Christ that just quit because they just never could get it. And grace is saying, we're good. We've always been good. Christ made us good forever. The work of the cross, man, this relationship can never be severed. As bad as you get, as muddy and dirty as you get, if you just go out there and roll around a pig's pen, we're still going to be good. I'm going to spray you off. We're going to keep going. Yes. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for this worship team. We're going to close with a little song. I want you to stand this morning. We're going to close with this song. But today, I haven't done this in a few weeks. And I feel led of the Holy Spirit to do this. If you're scheduled to be a prayer partner this morning, quickly come, quickly come down here and stand right here for me. I want to do this this morning. This little song is a little worship song, okay? Everybody say it's a worship song. Everybody say it's a worship song. That's what this song is. Condemnation wants to take you that way. It wants to take you back. Condemnation wants to take you away from God. Condemnation wants to make you quit. And if you quit, you'll die without the Lord. But conviction, conviction wants to take you forward. Conviction wants to take you in tomorrow. Why? Why do I want to go in tomorrow? Because He's got plans for you tomorrow plans to prosper you tomorrow, plans to bless you tomorrow, plans to give you all the things you've hoped for tomorrow. You, don't, you can't afford to go back. You only have one option, and that's to wake up and go forward. Everybody say, I am moving on into the plans that God has for my life. If you want to come and pray, if you want somebody to agree with you this morning, if you just want to reach for the Lord for a few minutes, if you want to repent of your sins, if you want to get your heart right with God, today is your day to move forward, to move on into something special. God bless you.